0: Welcome to Audit Bites, the show where we give you bite-sized chunks of information and education to help you excel in your audit career. Join our host, Robert Berry, as we tackle another tough auditing topic this week. Episode number 17 of Audit Bytes. Now, if you're just joining me for the first time, Audit Bytes is the first live show where we talk about, well, auditing. And I'm your host, Robert Berry. We do it live here on LinkedIn, but we're also on your favorite podcasting platforms. Yes, that includes Apple, Spotify, Google, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And guess what else? You can get CPE just for listening or watching me. Go to auditbytes.com for more information. And you've seen today's topic. It's probably a touching one and it's going to make some people mad. But today's topic, auditors can't fix a corrupt culture. Auditors cannot fix a corrupt culture. Now, my man Alex is here and Alex says, excellent topic, sir. Alex, who is sir? I know i'm old but do i look that old no I'm just, I'm just kidding man hey thanks for joining me man uh we should probably hop on a zoom call at some point just to get to know one another uh because i know you're doing some good stuff in the audit space surrounding social media and so it would be great to just hop on a call get to know you today's topic audit bites numbers audit bites episode number 17 auditors can't fix a corrupt culture so what exactly do i mean by that well listen before you start laughing Let me just give you a trigger warning. My next statement is probably going to make some people laugh really, really hard. So let me just say this. Auditors are some of the most friendly people you will ever meet. Now, for those who are still laughing, just stop it. Because Seriously, we are. You see, we get into the business because we genuinely want to help organizations improve. Well, we want to also help them comply, and we also want to help them achieve their goals and objectives. Contrary to popular belief, auditors do not want to finger point and blame. We don't want to find anything bad going on in our organizations, because when we find something bad going on, that creates more work for us. Now, Leslie is here, and Leslie says, hello. Hey, Leslie, hadn't seen you on a show in a while. Where have you been? Yes, I do notice most of the people who are regulars here. But would you not agree that auditors are some of the most friendly people that you know? If you're in agreement with me and you're listening to me today, drop a yes in the chat. Better yet, drop a heck yes into the chat. Now, Pozo is here and Pozo says, I'm not laughing, I was a friendly auditor. Yes, Pozo, and you are just a friendly all around person. So, but again, seriously, auditors are some of the most friendly people that you would ever meet. The question is, why are we so friendly and why are we so nice? Part of it is because we're logical thinkers. Um, And so when you think logically, it's either right or wrong, good or bad. So Alex is here and Alex is saying, heck, yes, we are friendly people. My man, Clarence, Clarence, my man, good to see you. Clarence is saying, yes, sir.
1: Leslie, Wendy is
0: saying, yes, hey, Wendy. Leslie is saying definitely yes, and Joe is here, my partner in crime, Joe. I'm going to see you in just a couple of hours. Joe, this is a day for me. This is my first, second show that I'm on today, and then we still have our show to do. So today, I'm actually kind of worn out, but auditors are some of the most friendly people that uh, you would ever meet. Here's the problem. Unfortunately, many of us work for emotionally unstable organizations where we face where we face. Pushbacks and setbacks. Let me say that again. Unfortunately, many auditors work for emotionally unstable organizations where we face pushbacks and setbacks. Now, <laughs> Wendy makes a good point. I mean, Joe makes a good point. Joe says some are more friendly than others. Yes, I agree with that. And Trent, my man, how's it going, Trent? Hey, we had not talked in a minute, man. We need to catch up. Trent says, the best compliment I got from a CAE was that approach seems very logical. Okay. Exactly. We're very logical, and so we like to do things in a methodical way, which means that you don't get any fluff or nonsense or BS with us. But unfortunately, many of us work, like I just said, for unstable organizations. And you're probably wondering where in the world am I going with this? Oh boy, just hold on one moment because you'll see where I'm going with this. All right. Princess Cruise Lines, a subsidiary of Carnival, they were convicted and sentenced in April 2017 and fined $40 million after pleading guilty to felony charges stemming from its deliberate dumping of oil contaminated waste from one of its vessels and intentional acts to cover it up. So they dumped waste into the water and they intentionally covered it up. Shame. <sighs> this was and remains the largest ever criminal fine for intentional pollution from ships. Let me say that again. This was and remains the largest ever criminal fine for intentional dumping from ships. And if it as if it could not get any worse. This was in 2017. They were fined $40 million. Well, you know, when the government fines you for doing things, oftentimes there's some remediation efforts that must take place. And oftentimes you find that after companies are fined $40 million from the federal government, they get better. sorry didn't mean to laugh they didn't get better as a matter of fact in 2019 princess was convicted of six violations of the probation they were fined an additional 20 million dollars and required to undertake more remedial measures you see in that case what in this case here's what happened afterwards there were two violations that involved interfering with the court's supervision of probation so they got assigned a monitor if you listen to the Friday Froster, we talk about how a lot of banks have been assigned monitors, someone to oversee their activities to make sure that they actually straightened up. So they were assigned a monitor, and what they did was they interfered with the court's supervision. The monitor, a part of the requirement was that they hire a third-party firm to do audits. What they would do is find out when those third-party audits were going to take place, and they did some spot cleaning up. So they, so they sent in some, a group to clean up the stuff right before the audits were about to occur, meaning the environment was not stable before that. It was just simply right before the audits. So here are the results of the probation. Here's some of the things that they were required to do based on the probation. So they'd already been pleaded guilty. They were put on probation. They were still doing things that were bad. First, failing to establish a senior corporate compliance officer. So they didn't have anyone at the highest level that was in charge of compliance. That um, so they were required to hire a corporate compliance manager or chief compliance officer, whatever you want to call it, with responsibility and sufficient authority for implementing new environmental measures. That was one requirement. Um, so that happened. Then in October of 2021, the monitor and the third-party auditor, both got together and wrote the federal judge overseeing the case. Here's what they said. They said that the failures, and I quote, reflects a deeper barrier, a culture that seeks to minimize or avoid information that is negative, uncomfortable, or threatening to the company, including to top leadership. So here's what they're saying. Anytime someone like the auditors or the monitor tried to give management bad news, they downplayed it. They didn't want to hear it. They ignored it. How many of you work for organizations when there's bad news and they blame who? The auditors. They don't look at the source of the bad news. Maybe it was the people performing the processes that really messed it up. No, 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 no. It's the auditor's fault because you brought it to their attention and you told them that it was an issue. All your fault, auditors. So now, Joe says that February CPE book club is going to talk about companies, specifically tech companies, and their fines. Oh, why would these companies continue sometimes to react to fines and not be proactive? So, if you don't know what Joe is talking about, Joe has a monthly, I think it's monthly, is it still monthly, Joe? Book club where well joe reads the book and joe gives us the clip notes and then the clip notes come with the lesson so you get cpe for that and if i'm not mistaken the website is cpebookclub.com joe drop it in the chat so people can go sign up for the book club now people this thing is not free but it's well worth your money and your time because we all know how awesome joe is and she can convey the information to you a whole lot better than i can so anyway i think it's cpebookclub.com joe drop it into the chat if i am right or wrong either way drop it into the chat my friend Charlene Brown is here. Charlene, what's going on, my friend? There are a few things that I owe you, and I will get them to you. Um, so yeah, I want you guys to, so let's just recap where we are right now. Princess Cruise Lines, which is a, a subsidiary of Carnival, in 2017, they did some pretty bad things. They dumped contaminated waste into the water, and well, they were fined $40 million from the federal government and put on probation. But again in 2019, did I say 2019? Yeah, in 2019, the problems were still here, so there were some additional requirements placed on them. One of those requirements was that you get a compliance officer to oversee these activities. I mean, do better was essentially the requirement. Uh, please do better. Uh, but they found that they didn't have anyone with significant authority in the organization who had oversight of making sure that they complied with things. Now, it was so bad that they got a monitor someone to, well, make sure that they were doing the right thing. Now, that monitor and an independent auditor or audit firm wrote the judge in the case, and let's just read this quote again, that the failures in the organization, and I quote, reflects a deeper barrier, a culture that seeks to minimize or avoid information that is negative. So if it was negative, they didn't even want to hear it, like hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil, right? So they seek to minimize or avoid information that is negative, uncomfortable, or threatening to the company, including to top leadership, which means that those in charge refused to listen to the information as well. This is pretty sad, you guys, but you know what? It gets even worse or even better, depending on how you look at it. So Clarence, I agree with you. It's always the auditor's fault. Why? Because you find it. It's not the fault of the people who actually did it. It's the auditor's fault for finding it. Hopefully, you guys see the sarcasm there. Wendy says, how did they find out? Well, Wendy, there were some snitches. (laughs) You guys know how I feel about that. If you see something, you better say something. I don't care if people want to call you a snitch. You better. If you see something, you better say something. Joe says, thanks for the plug. This is an excellent conversation. It's going to get even better, Joe, because there was some more crap that happened with this company. And I'm sorry, I, you guys know how I talk. I, it, it just is what it is. So they got fined again. And in addition to the $1 million in new penalties that they face, Carnival and Princess agreed to implement a lot of the compliance improvements. This is the second time they agreed to implement the compliance improvements. But here are the compliance improvements that now they should comply with. Carnival must restructure so that its investigative office reports directly to a committee of the board of directors. The internal investigation office must have the authority to initiate its own investigations and to determine their scope. So here's what happened. They had an internal unit that was in charge of investigating, but that unit didn't have significant authority in the organization. So whenever they got mad at the people who were doing investigations, they would just fire them. Does that sound familiar to any auditors? When you get too close to the truth, they attempt to fire you. Let's go back to what I said previously. Auditors are some of the most kind people that you know. Why? Because we are extremely logical. I like to tell people I'm too stupid to lie because I can't remember any of the lies that I would tell, so why lie in the first place? Auditors are in pursuit of the truth. We like truthfulness, we like honesty, we like structure. When you work for an organization that attempts to fire you when you tell the truth, probably didn't need to be there anyway. So now, the other thing that they said was management will be restricted in its ability to remove the head of the incident analysis group that performs internal investigations, which means previously management had had the ability to remove the person in charge of doing investigations. So again, if this person said something that you didn't like, you just fired them. Carnival must conduct an assessment to assure that independent investigators have sufficient resources carnival must assess the effectiveness of the required changes and correct deficiencies so now Not only are they saying that Carnival needs to have an investigative unit that reports to a high level in the organization, but you can't just hire one person and say we have an investigator. You must supply it with sufficient resources. Now, if we use our logical minds, which the auditors do all the time, in order for this to be a requirement after fines and penalties means that they didn't have it adequately resourced from the start. We're not stupid here and you can't fool us. No one would require you to do this if you were already doing it. All right. So now, Joe says, auditors need to be tattletales, you darn right, and whistleblowers. That is our job. Have the courage, but we also need to help our organizations with their culture in the first place, proactively. So this stuff doesn't happen. Now, if you missed last week's episode of the Friday Froster with Kelly Paxton, Joe, and myself, We talked a lot about culture in that episode. And by the way, if you want to train, if you want to train your people on culture, you need to hire Joe. So it's like a culture and ethics expert. So Carnival, Princess, if you guys are listening, anybody from that organization, Joe Irvin is her name. She's in the chat. Go look her up. You guys need her. Seriously. This kind of crap is crazy. Uh, Wendy says that is what I thought because it seems hard to catch that. Yeah, there was a snitch. Come on. And I shouldn't even use the word snitch. I'm using it in a good way and I'm kind of joking about that. But yeah, it was a snitch. Um, But the other thing that they said was if Carnival fails to meet the deadlines in the plea agreement, it will be subject to fines of $100,000 per day rising to $500,000 after 10 days. So um, what I like about this is We're now talking about corruption and we're talking about corruption and its tie in to company culture, because those two things coexist. If you see one, typically there's another. You're not going to see corruption in an organization that has a culture that does not tolerate it. Let me say that again. You will not see corruption in an organization that does not tolerate it, because when it rears its ugly head, they're going to get rid of the people who are corrupt. If the organization keeps people around that are corrupt, then you can assume that they condone their behavior. So let's not let's not fool ourselves and think that there are organizations that are blatantly, consistently corrupt that have good people. No, you're condoning this behavior if you allow these people to stay. So now Alex says a drop in their proverbial financial bucket, though. Yeah, that is very true. It is only a drop in their proverbial financial bucket, which is why, honestly, as consumers of these products or services, here's what we need to do. We need to start putting our money where our mouth is. When we see organizations that have atrocities like this, we need to stop supporting them, especially when it's luxury items and not necessities. Just my opinion. People can get mad all they want, but I don't care. The reason things like this continue is because we condone it. We either condone it by staying employed at organizations and not not uh, disclosing this and telling people what's happening or we condone it by continuing to spend money at these organizations. Either way that's our fault if we know that a culture is corrupt and we continue to support an organization. So who else do you blame? Now as we always do in these episodes I'm gonna bring up some points to consider especially for auditors when it comes to culture. We see a lot of the best of every organization we work for, but we also see the slimy side of the organization. So let's talk about this for just one minute. There's an article I'm going to refer you guys to. Um, Let me see. Oh, so there's an author named Allison Taylor. She wrote an article titled Organizational Culture in Corrupt Companies. She wrote this article in May of 2015 in the Corporate Compliance Insight uh, Journal. If you go to corporatecomplianceinsight.com, I'll probably drop it into the show notes. But she detailed things that contribute to a corrupt culture. Now, why is this important to auditors? Because your audit report alone will not fix a culture. Again, if you watched last Friday's episode of Friday Froster and some of the clips I put out, you can see where Joe said, your report, it's not good enough. You're not going to just put something in a report and let it go. The culture in the organization needs to be one that is conducive to fighting fraud. So as auditors, we need to take a look at the culture. We need to take a look at the culture. Part of your job is to call out corrupt cultures. Part of your job as an auditor is to call out corrupt cultures. So let's cover some of the things that she said in this article along with some of my experience and my anecdotal experience. But you'll be able to relate to it. Joe says she loves the CCI articles. Yes, I do, too. Love them to death. So. Let's get to our first point about article about auditors. Auditors can't fix corrupt cultures. Why can't we fix corrupt cultures? Why? Because unguarded growth is really not good. Here's what happens. You find organizations that want to grow, and they put unnecessary and, and um, they put unnecessary measures in place to achieve that growth. Now, in this article, here's what this author said: She said, "A company that is focused only on growth, with a huge emphasis on growing revenue and sales, is vulnerable to corruption. As is a company that is growing fast or very acquisitive. So, companies that are growing fast and acquiring a lot of other companies." are more prone to corruption. I'll give you guys an example. Most of us remember the mortgage industry in 2007 and 2008 when it started heating up and when it actually collapsed. Here's one of the reasons why it collapsed. The federal government came in and said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to allow mortgage companies to offer loans where you have stated income and you're going to not have to provide any documentation to substantiate your income. The government said that they were going to back those loans as long as they didn't default within the first 90 days. So what did companies start doing? They started handing out loans like candy. I remember working for an organization where we had a Waffle House waitress come in and say she made two hundred thousand dollars a year. That was her stated income. We gave her the loan. Do you really think she made two hundred thousand dollars a year? No, but we were growing very fast. We were growing because there were some unrealistic standards that were in place. We collapsed as a company that bank is no longer around so unguarded growth at companies is not good, but it also leaves you open and susceptible to fraud. Wendy says that was a good example. Yeah, Wendy, you you know about you know what company I was working for then and you know a lot about the mortgage industry based on where you work and based on what your husband does. So, yeah, you understand that example fully Leslie says talk the talk and walk the walk until that great issue arises very good I like that so now the other reason that auditors can't fix a corrupt culture is because look you've got to look out for leaders who use deceptive language hmm you've got to look out for leaders who use deceptive language and you guys are probably thinking what in the world is he talking about for those of you who know me you know I'm big on language I'm big on the words that people use and how they use those words So let's talk about this. In this article, this author also said, managing corruption is more, let me say that again, managing corruption is more directed at controlling corruption and information about it rather than deterring and eliminating it. So when you find organizations who wanna control the the narrative versus fixing the corruption, you know, they wanna sound good in the newspaper but not fix the underlying issue, That environment is ripe for corruption because they're trying to control the narrative. Um, This article goes on to say, the heavy use of euphemisms belittles the magnitude of the crime. Think about this, let me say this again. The heavy use of euphemisms belittle the magnitude of the crime. They knew they were doing something wrong. They had code names for processes to offshore the bribes. Hmm. All right, now, let me give you an example of what that looks like. When someone steals from a company, what do they say? It was a misappropriation of assets. What kind of crap is that? It was stealing, misappropriation of assets. I think this is, we. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> okay. <laughs> So let me go to the audience again because Wendy says, audit executives need to pay attention to discussions in the board rooms. Sometimes the board does not get the real story. Wendy, let me just take that a step further. Oftentimes the board does not get the real story. Most times the board does not get the real story. Why? Because companies try to limit the time that you have in executive session. Executive session should be you and the time with the board and or your audit committee. But yeah. Oftentimes the board does not get the real story, but you know what? Here's the other sad truth about it. Oftentimes the board doesn't want to know the real story because if they know the real story, then they have to take action. Let's just talk for a minute about the Boeing incident. You had several people in Boeing that knew that their planes were faulty. Now we have, what is it, like 900 people that have died so far because of plane crashes? Now, If the board had known about those things, they would have had to take some drastic action. I actually have something coming up soon, maybe next week or the week after, where I break down parts of the Boeing case and the failure company-wide. So, yeah, and Joe says, yes, Wendy, yes. By the way, Joe and Wendy, if you guys aren't connected, you guys need to connect. Joe, Wendy is a long-time friend, Wendy's a long-time friend. Uh, Wendy Joe is awesome. You guys need to connect. I think you guys would really get along and like each other. So you guys need to connect on LinkedIn and then hop on a Zoom call and just talk. Um, Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. Auditors can't fix corrupt cultures because unguarded growth is really not good, but unguarded growth helps promote corruption. Also, you got to look for leaders who use deceptive language. (laughs) We're misappropriating assets over here. No, you're stealing. Now, the third thing that auditors want to consider is urgency and necessity undermines values. Here's what I mean, by that. What people will do is they'll tell you, we need this today. There's some urgency surrounding what we need to do right now. And what they're trying to get you to do is lower your inhibitions. They're trying to get you to move your moral compass. Look, if your moral compass is pointed in a direction, don't let anybody else move it. So, One thing I picked up from one of the articles that I read, the author said, and I quote, there are techniques to exaggerate the urgency of situations. The timing issue short circuits proper checks and balances. Think about that. When people create urgency, they try to get you to short circuit your system of checks and balances. That's horrible. Think about if you've ever seen these con artists. They come up to you and they say, you must invest now before the price goes up. They're trying to get you to not use your common sense. They're trying to get you to cast morality to the side. So look, auditors can't fix corrupt culture. Why? Because one, unguarded growth is not good, but unguarded growth helps promote corruption. When you have people who have, and Joe's going to like this, very bad incentive structures, very bad bonus structures. Second reason auditors can't fix corrupt culture fix corrupt cultures is because you have to look out for leaders who use deceptive languages. Leaders will try to make any situation seem flowery, corrupt leaders, sorry. Corrupt leaders will change the language for a situation and make it sound flowery. They will use heavy euphemisms to belittle the magnitude of a crime that has occurred. Now, the third reason auditors can't fix corrupt cultures is because urgency and necessity undermines values. People will try to get you take a sense of urgency in a situation to compromise your morals, your ethics, your values. But we're not done yet. Next, I'm going to give you some high-level culture red flags, just three of them, and they're extremely high level. But before I do that, have you guys heard about my best-selling book, Ask Better Questions, Get Better Answers, Perform Better Audits? Hey, it's a great book. It's all about the art of asking questions while auditing because why? Well, as auditors, our job is to ask really good questions. Where can you get this book? You can get it on Amazon or you can go to askgetperform.com and take a look at it on my website. The book hit the top 50 in the U.S. and hit number one in France. I say all the time, why France? I don't know. Maybe French people like me. Hopefully you guys in the U.S. like me, too. But go get the book, Ask, Get, Perform. Ask better questions, get better answers, perform better audits. So we're on episode 17 of Audit and What we're talking about today is auditors can't fix corrupt cultures. So if we can't fix corrupt cultures, what in the world are some warning signs? Just high-level red flags that your organization may be corrupt. Before I go there, let's go back to Leslie in the audience. Leslie, I love you, girl. Leslie says it was a great book, having all my staff read it. You know what? Here's the other thing, too, Leslie. I do have a four, eight, and 16-hour training program based on the book. So if you guys need to fly me out, I mean, I wouldn't say no. I'm not free, though. But, but, uh, <laughs> but, but no. Um, so look. What are our high-level red flags that your culture might be corrupt at your organization? Again, these are just three things at a very high level, but let's just dig right into it. First one, look, dishonest people make unreasonable demands. Low funding for projects, unrealistic goals, things like that. When you see that happening, you may be in a corrupt organization. So let's look at what that looks like for some, some audit departments. Think about this. Have you ever worked in an audit department where they wanted you to cover everything under the sun, but they only gave you funding for one person? How in the world are you going to do your job? Now, when they try to stifle your forward progress by putting a stranglehold on your funds, you probably work for a corrupt organization. No one would do that. Or they set unrealistic sales goals for their salespeople. Hmm. There may be some corruption going on. So you have to look for unreasonable demands in the organization. If your organization is giving you unreasonable demands, it may be corrupt. Now, Wendy is saying management trying to steer the audit plan 100%. I didn't put that one on here, so that's going to be our bonus for today. day. Thank you, Wendy. When management tries to steer your audit plan, you may be in a corrupt organization. They'll tell you things like, we don't believe that this is a risk. You shouldn't look at this. Why are you looking at this? This isn't something that auditors should be looking at. Hmm. And here's Joe. Look at the incentive plans. That's right. When they have unreasonable, unrealistic, or extremely generous incentive plans, what are you incentivizing? People need bonuses. I do agree with bonuses. Don't get me wrong. But when you have overly aggressive bonuses, and then you scratch your head when people end up defrauding your organization, you incentivized it. So, Pozo, what you got for me, Pozo? Pozo says, makes me reconsider how nonprofits budget and are funded. Oh, well, yeah, well, see, I'm just trying to make you think, Pozo. Just trying to make you think, that's all. So look, high-level culture red flags. Look, dishonest people don't make, uh, dishonest people make unreasonable demands. But let's look at the other thing. If ad hominem arguments are everywhere in your organization, you might be in a corrupt organization. Let me give you an example of what that looks like. So as an auditor, you find out that there have been some people that have been stealing money from the cash vault. You go and you tell management and then management looks at you and says, why were you looking at the cash vault? You're a terrible auditor. How in the world could you do that? You see, they start attacking the person and not the facts there's a reason why they don't want to discuss the facts and it's probably because the organization is corrupt all right so high level culture red flags dishonest people make unreasonable demands if the incentive structures are off you might be in a corrupt organization second if they use ad hominem arguments they attack the person and not the problem Hmm. you may be in a corrupt organization. And let's just talk about the third thing here. If there's a fear of an individual, but not the principal, you might be in a corrupt organization. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Let me just give you guys an example. So recently I was working with a client on a project and something was bad, it was wrong. It was really, really bad. So I went to the client and I said, hey, this is bad. It's actually probably the worst thing that I've seen in a while. You probably wanna fix this. The response I got was, you shouldn't say that out loud because Mr. Mr. Black, we'll just call him Mr. Black, because Mr. Black created this process. Now here's the deal. I don't care if my mother created the process. If it stinks, it stinks. When you are in fear of a person Over a moral principle, which honesty is a moral principle, you are probably in a corrupt organization. If you are in an organization where some people are above reproach, in other words, you can't say that they've done something wrong simply because of their status or position. You are probably in a corrupt organization and you probably need to run. We probably need to run after you disclose it. Because, again, I believe that auditors, when you see something, you should say something. So let's just say, for example, in your organization you found out that the CEO was stealing. And then you told the controller that the CEO was stealing. And the controller said, You can't say that about the CEO. I'll tell you guys a real story. So one time I was working for this organization and we found out that there were some things that were happening that were illegal, unethical, and immoral. And so I <clears throat> so I brought them up to Some members of the executive cabinet and one of the first things they said to me was, you can't say anything about Miss Susie. She's our church member. She sits on the front row every Sunday. Hmm. So that means that she could not have done this illegal act that we have ample evidence showing that she did. By the way, she admitted to doing it, too, so I still shouldn't say anything, huh? So again, some high level red flags that your culture may be corrupt. Dishonest people don't make unreasonable demands of you. When you have ad hominem arguments everywhere, you better watch out. Fear of an individual but not the principle underlying the situation. Maybe a red flag that your organization is corrupt. And again, what I mean by that is, if you are fearful of saying something when something is wrong because of a person's position or authority, you probably need to run because that organization is not going to do you any good. As a matter of fact, here's what's going to happen. As soon as you start disclosing the truth as an internal auditor, what they are going to do is they are going to blame, guess who? You, because you shouldn't have been able to find this. You shouldn't have been looking at this. It's all your fault. Here's what I want to say to you guys. Everybody should have a favorite auditor in their life, and if you have a favorite auditor, you should get them some audit gear. I have I love audit shirts, mugs, hats, all kinds of stuff. I have awesome auditor T-shirts and all kinds of audit gear and apparel that your favorite auditor will love. Go to my website, thatauditguy.com for more. But what I want to do is thank you guys for joining me on Audit Bites, episode number 17, Auditors Can't Fix a Corrupt Culture. So if you feel like you are working in a corrupt culture, here's what I want you to do. First, I want you to say something. If you see something, say something. If something is corrupt, snitch, tell, tattletale, whatever the derogatory name for it is called, do it. Second thing is see what happens because a good organization would be willing to fix things that are going corrupt. If it's a bad organization, here's what we do as auditors because we're logical. We feel like if we show them the information Someday they will change. And we stick around these corrupt organizations holding out for hope. At the, at now, at the same time, we are suffering mentally and physically because, well, we're getting browbeaten every day at this organization waiting for them to change. Screw that. Find you another job. Stop waiting for corrupt cultures to change. <coughs> Disclose the truth. Snitch. Tattletale. Do whatever. Wait for a little bit to see if changes occur, and if changes don't occur, save yourself. Your mental health and stability is worth more than staying at an organization that is corrupt and only wants to drive you crazy. Most people won't give you that advice. They'll say, stick it out, work with the organization, screw that, take care of yourself, my friends. Now, Aaron is here. Aaron says secretive management clicks. Yes. If you've ever worked in an organization with secretive management clicks, it is the worst thing ever. Your organization might be corrupt if you have secretive management clicks. That's another bonus. See, that's a fifth one there for you. Now, Clarence. Clarence says if, some, if someone is always giving you a problem when you're doing your work, keep an eye on them. You're doggone right. You are absolutely 100% right. Now, Wendy says, in writing, what are we doing in writing? Wendy, we're going to disclose it in writing. That's what Wendy is saying, I'm I'm pretty sure. When you tattletale, tattletale in writing. Hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put it in writing. I want you to put it in video. I want you to send it by carrier pigeon. Any (laughs) Any way that you can send it, in all seriousness, you need to document what has been done, what has been said, what the response was to you. Because without that, uh, corrupt, corrupt cultures will turn on you. Because there are no moral and ethical standards in these organizations, eventually they will try to turn on you. Um, but if you have your facts together, you will be okay. Charlene says, those secretive management clicks suck dust. Yes, they do, like a Hoover vacuum. They do suck a lot of dust. So <laughs> Thanks, Charlene, for dropping that link into the chat. Get your audit gear, thatauditguy.com. So look, episode number 17 of Audit Bites. Auditors can't fix a corrupt culture. But again, here's what I recommend you do. If you see something, say something. Put it in writing, get it in video. When you bring it to management's attention, monitor their response. If things look like they're improving, you may be in a good organization where there were a few bad people. If it gets worse and they start the ad hominem arguments and start attacking you as an auditor, save your sanity. Get the heck out. Don't sit there and invest time, effort, and energy in an organization that does not want you around. Don't do it. You are worth more than that. There's some organization out there that will appreciate your efforts and your energy. Get out. Would you stay in a relationship with someone who was beating you every day? Would you stay in a relationship with someone who was verbally abusive to you? An employment relationship is a relationship unlike any other. Um, (laughs) Wendy says, when things blow up, people say, where was I? Right, right. So they don't want you to look at it in the beginning. Then when things go to hell in a handbasket, they say, where was Audit? Which do you want? That's why I say, don't play these mental gymnastics with people and start jumping through hoops at corrupt organizations that really don't want you around. They have you there just for the sake of saying, I have an audit department. Go find someplace that appreciates you. Now, let me just say this. I say the same thing about any relationship you're in, whether it's an employment relationship, a personal friendship, or a romantic relationship. They don't appreciate you. Get gone, man. Um, (laughs) Pozo says, says, "Carry a pigeon." (laughs) I'm just saying, carry a pigeon. That works, man. That's all I'm saying. So, um, my friends, thank you for joining me on episode 17 of Audit Bites. If you like what you have heard today, refer this podcast to the rest of your staff, to all of your friends who are auditors. Look, I. I do this because I just like doing it. I like talking to auditors. If you've gotten value from it, send it to somebody else. By the way, if if you want to be a sponsor or an advertiser on this or any of my other podcasts, give me a call and let's talk. I'm now accepting sponsors and advertisers. You'll start to see that soon. Spread the word about this podcast to your friends who are auditors because sometimes we need help. We need a support system for our people. And Alex says, thank you for having us. He also says that he already has. I'm assuming by that you mean you've already referred this podcast to other people. And Pozo says, great episode. I just want to thank you guys who consistently join me and who spread the word. Again, I'm just here trying to help auditors be better in the workplace. Episode 17, audit Bites. Until next time, my friends, see ya. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Audit Bites. If you want to do more, see more, be more, check out our website, thatauditguy.com, where you will find quality training, audit merch. Yes, we have hats, shirts, and other apparel, as well as past copies of this podcast and the Friday Fraudster podcast, www.thatauditguy.com. Thanks for joining us.